0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, Joe. Yo. yo, Joe. Hey, 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 it's me, Captain Chief, joined by you, S. jobs Hey, Chiefy. Hey, no party like an S. Jub party. Uh, How are you doing, my friend?
1: Uh, I don't know any of the other words to that song. It's, as I said, it sails um, plainly over
0: my head. But
1: listen, S Club 7, that was the thing.
0: First <laughs> up, <laughs> I want to apologize to the main man, S. job 7, himself, because even though in the UK we went through daylight savings and we changed time, we sprung forward an hour. I did not take that into consideration for this man. So for the last couple of weeks, I think I've been doing it. What I thought was 8 a.m. my time in 6 a.m. in Australia, but it's actually been 5 a.m. So I've been doing you out of an hour's sleep. And <laughs> yes, apologies for that. Sleep. Who needs it, man?
2: <laughs>
0: this is the highlight of my week. Chief, honestly, I'm going
1: stir crazy. It's isolation <laughs> mania. Yeah. Yeah. How is that going
0: for you? In well, general.
1: I came out of the, uh, the the self-quarantine, the sort of 14-day self-imposed stay indoors thing uh, after the international travel, as you know. And then on day 15, I decided I was going to treat myself because our apartment overlooks the communal pool that the uh, apartment block has. And so, I was always watching people frolicking down there, enjoying their their time off work. And I thought, oh, it'd be really nice to to have a swim. Yeah. Walked down there with my swimming costume on and my uh, my towel wrapped around my neck. The pool is closed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what a fantastic bit of timing. But uh, fortunately, I just about faced and walked straight into the ocean, uh, which is about five <laughs> minutes walk away. Tough gig, huh? Eh? Yeah, yeah so I've been doing a few uh,
0: a few open water swims. Good for the okay. mind, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. No, there was a thing on the, in the UK recently, one of these not trust me I'm a doctor or something like that about how to a couple of guys celebrity chef Hugh Fernley-Wittenstall and someone else were trying to get in shape and one of the tips for toning the mind was to take a cold ice cold shower every day hmm. and he said he did it for a couple of days and was like I can't do this and then after a week he said I cannot now go one day without having an ice cold shower he said if I don't have that he said I feel worse for not having it because he basically said it you know Fired all those neurons in his brain and basically brought him to life. So,
1: wow, sounds like the perfect uh remedy for being absolutely <laughs> like the living dead at 5 a.m. Yeah. getting ready for a podcast. <laughs> uh, I think I'll take that under advisement. Though yeah, the water yeah. here is never ice cold, no, like of it comes out of the tap lukewarm already. <laughs> uh, welcome
0: to Queensland, baby. That's it, that's it. Um, yeah, we're, we're how still are you doing, chief. In- um not gonna not gonna lie not gonna sugarcoat it um it's a brief inside chief's mind for you um uh, struggling the last kind of day and a half with kind of mentally with i was in a chipper mood a minute ago now i now i'm bringing it down but um no no yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah basically just a combination of things obviously stuck inside and working from home and My wife is in healthcare, as your good lady is as well. So she, she, when me and Evelyn had the symptoms, she had to be off for 14 days. She went back for one day last week, but now she's back to work full-time yesterday and today. Mm. And she works in kind of a cancer drug trial uh, clinic. So she's given out revolutionary, you know, frontline first-case drugs to cancer patients. But now that's been taken over by covid patient so she's dealing with people who have it and it was playing in my mind a lot kind of last night the fact that in the news there were lots and lots of doctors and nurses uh, who are dying with no previous underlying conditions it's clearly a case of dosage levels if the closer you are and the more contact you have the bigger dose you get that can be fatal even if you haven't got underlying symptoms and was playing on my mind a lot you know what if she gets sick and even to the point of what if she passes away or what if I pass away you know I'm no spring chicken and I'm sure I've got underlying symptoms I'm not aware of and I was actually thinking what if either of us die and what's going to happen to Evelyn and it was really kind of heavy stuff and the other thing that was I'm working from home at the moment which I can do I'm in the sports betting industry but not and I work on the retail side, so for the shops, but in the head office, so I'm helping to get the software out to the shops that all the the tills and the bet stations use, and I'm able to kind of do most of my stuff from home, but at the moment, with Louise working Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm on kind of daddy daycare as well, my kid is four, so I can't realistically juggle looking after her and pretending to work from home, because if I say yes I'm going to work from home then I've got to be on these conference calls that's not fair to the kid you know I don't want to stick her in front of the TV for eight hours a day Uh, you know I want her to get the interaction from daddy and I, I had a couple of breakdowns today where I you know she was in the living room playing and I kind of just went into the kitchen and just started crying and couldn't get a grip on the fact that I see her as this bright intelligent four-year-old and she's been denied the access to have interaction with peers of her same age she could be locked inside now for months just she loves playing with me and the wife but it's this is part of her development as as a kid and growing into being out she needs to be doing kid things with other kids and i just it just pained me so much and i'm Well, Chiefy, buddy, every child at the moment is in the same boat. Developmentally,
1: like, they're all having to deal with a very unique situation. And I think the silver lining to this is the fact that they're getting a big wallop of interaction with their parents. Yeah. Like that's just, that's something to be gleaned from all this craziness, uh, yeah, that's, and that's you sent true. me the most heartwarming picture of the both of you wearing your sweatbands. It looked like you were <laughs> going to do some exercise together. Like she would not get that in her day to day. I mean, yeah. th- at least not the the sheer sort of massive dollop that she's getting at the moment. And I don't think a child can ever get get tired of that. Uh, they they always want to impress their parents. Uh, you know you guys in are are kings and queens of her existence, so this is this is yeah. good, man. This is really, really good. I don't I think you should ever be too hard on yourself. You're doing a fantastic said, job, man.
0: I said to the missus, sorry, I said to the misses yesterday um that on Monday that I had one of the best days I've ever had with the kid, it was just like start to finish. there was no cross words no tears no nothing we just every the whole day was just playing and fun and it was just not an eye-opener because you know I've and again you know kind of ego and humbleness aside I think I'm a good dad anyway so we've we have great great times all the time but you know it was just it felt really special maybe it was probably the climate and the the time we're in that you know it was just kind of the bond thing and I don't know I just I felt bad for her that you know like you Nobody. say, though, she's getting time to spend with us. But then I started thinking as well on the other end of the spectrum, there are obviously parents out there who are all staying at home working. So it's easier to kind of juggle childcare. Maybe you can, one parent can be looking after them while the other one works. Then you do a switch for an hour and then you switch for an hour. So it's more manageable. Or maybe one of the parents uh, is a stay at home mum or stay at home dad. So that's part of the routine anyway. But when, when one of them is a key worker and they have to go out of the home to work and the other parent is there supposedly trying to work and administer childcare, it's very difficult and I'm not sure what's going to happen with work because I'm going to realistically say, potentially my plan is to say I'm going to take the next 10 Mondays as holiday. So use 10 days of holiday, take that off. So at least that gives me Monday to focus fully on the kid. And then on Tuesdays, I might say, well, look, you're... You're going to get maybe two hours work out of me today that's it because the rest of the time is for the kid and sounds perfectly reasonable to me man no the, the, no boss then I, could, could expect more no that's that, that's fine but then then i started thinking well look if they think okay fine we can actually manage without chief for one and a half days one and three quarter days then i'm starting thinking well when you know we come out of this in a few months time are they going to say well actually chief's expendable now and get rid of him? so then i started panicking about my job security and all that kind of stuff and it just really really got on top of me today and uh, I'm I'm like you this is you know the highlight of my week so coming on here I, I was gonna say coming on here gives me a chance to kind of you know be free and let loose and have some fun times and I've kind of dragged us down for about five minutes so apologies listeners for that but uh, yeah I, I'm ready to dig into the meat of this show and uh, let's let's bounce back up. <laughs>
1: so it's good to be chief yeah okay but, uh, Listen, any anytime I- you want to have these kind of chats i'm all ears, yeah. brother okay get your it stuff, out don't bother I'm, I'm
0: i'm as as listeners will know and as is evidenced here i'm not one to hide my feelings you know i'm i'm an open book so i've, I've got no problems with all that kind of stuff so yeah appreciate that and anyone else is going through something similar or anything and wants to chat then look, i'm your man hit me up hit us up on the socials or the email or whatever you know if anyone wants to chat i'm, I'm more than willing to to lend an ear as well Same as S-Jub7 So We're a family here yeah, Joe yeah. family But listen I'm hungry And uh, <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got something to eat here And I've got a homemade snack today Goodness gracious me Potato chips crisps Biscuits and candy Washing them down With a whiskey or a brandy Chewy sweets cookies Built around jerky Snacks running in fear Because we got them at our mercy We're snackers Attackers Bad mother truckers And we're eating all the crackers Munchers Crunchers Knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there. His house. Yes, this is a. Basically, we've ordered some regular food parcels from the local farm, and you get a mix. Normally, you can pick what fruit and veg you get, but this in this current scenario, they say we are just going to give you seasonal stuff, which is understandable. So we got in the package this week a couple of courgettes. Which I believe in the states are called zucchinis for some reason. I think it's yeah, the we same also thing. call them
1: zucchinis. I think okay,
0: but they are um, the same thing, am I right?
1: For sure, yeah. Um, okay, they're sort of Like yeah, crunchy. They look a green, bit, They're visit- marrowish. Vegetable.
0: They're like a small, thin marrowish kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if marrow is a thing in in the states. They they, they call them pumpkins or mar- anyway, whatever. I'm I'm going <laughs> on. I want to eat this thing. So they Do came. It. No one else likes them in the house except me. So I thought, how can I? What can I do with these? So I made a courgette lemon drizzle cake. What? Yeah, I'm going to put the recipe up on the socials. It involves two big, large grated uh, courgettes slash zucchinis. There's got. uh, It's a vegan one as well, so no eggs. In place of eggs, I use flaxseed, which I soak in water, and then in place of butter, I use vegetable oil. Chief, you're out of control, man. Well done. I'm going. I'm going in for it. I've already had some, so I know it's great, and the missus loved it as well, and the kid loved cake. it. Yeah, is it sweet? I, is it cake-like? It's sweet because it has <laughs> got sugar in it. Well, wow. I'll tell you this now: it is a lot better warm. It's still nice mm. now, but better warm. But I'm going to continue to munch this. What have you got, sir,
1: buddy? I love courgettes. I particularly love them in like a roast veg and a good yeah. old South African braai which is a barbecue (laughs) is colloquialism already. Um, we, we kind of, I I always put courgettes in the kind of a roast veg to accompany the meat. And speaking of meat, it's about bloody time. We broke this vegan malarkey at talking (laughs) Joe because between you and diagnostic, the amount of meat consumed on this podcast has dropped to zero and it's in the bloody jingle. We have jerky. So I will, be sharing with you and the listeners today a very South African treat. The answer to jerky back home, which is called Biltong. Now jerky yeah. is smoked and quite dry. Biltong is like a whole cut of steak. You can also use ostrich, you can use kudu, you can use any kind of game. It's air, well, it's, it's marinated in vinegar and and spices and then air dried, which makes it very, very moist. And very, very delicious. This is the go-to snack for any red-blooded South African boyki. And uh, that would be me. Yeah, and baby. so it's going in the gullets. I like it um, quite wet and with the fat still on. Check the socials if you're the, the listener. And if you're the chief, check your yeah. WhatsApps, baby. I just sent you a picture of a, okay. a board of meat.
0: Let's have a look at this.
1: Look at this bad boy.
0: Chewy. Okay. Moist. Right salty it's amazing it's almost mm. like pieces so i when i was at uni the second time round, i lived with a guy in the first year in halls and he was addicted to biltong and he had a mate in south africa who used to send him parcels like once a week and it was uh, in kind of long thin almost like a pencil uh that would be droevos or dry
1: sausage Ah, okay. Uh, biltong proper is like you can basically take the entire steak, the dried steak, right. slice it as thick or as thin as you like. Um, yes. I found an importers in China, of all places, that did really thick cut biltong, but uh, it was still very moist, very chewy. Good stuff, man. It's it's I'm, the ultimate snack because it's just so. I yeah, mean, you Moorish you
0: once you, one piece is not enough. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, we I've keep it in the a fridge of my... because of
1: the bloody the climate here not being very favourable. Right. Um, but every time I reach into the fridge, I also reach <laughs> reach into this brown <laughs> paper
0: bag <laughs> containing this meat, and out comes a handful of, of uh, steak it. with me. And what would be your preferred kind of marinade or flavouring, or does it? Would you not need that? Just salt and pepper. Uh, I, I, it's pre-prepared.
1: I mean, as. It, as it comes to you it's already been um marinated in vinegar and then herbs which um typically involve cloves mm-hmm. and various other uh s- spices but yeah no I wouldn't say I have a favorite taste other than the meat itself the meat uh, taste. I think the cow is is still the, the king but yes. ostrich bultong is also damn good as is kudu springbok yes. I mean <laughs> if it bleeds we can eat it <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Um good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we both had kind of varying different snacks there but both sound good. That's actually got my mouth watering the description of biltong, so. Oh, Any- are you going to anyway. have your annual meat treat sometime soon? I I geez. will have an annual meat treat at some point soon, yes, you can believe that. And biltong <gasps> may well feature. Mm. <laughs> Hope you can um, find a good one. Listen, I said last week that we might do the 2012 annual and another issue, and due to the Chief being underprepared and not reading the subsequent issue, we are just doing the 2012 annual. Sounds great. So it's time for Comic Talk. It's Comic Talk, it's Comic Talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junker box, talking about character motivations and all the various GI Joe fun locations. Now then when, when I open up this front cover, it doesn't actually have a recap. I guess because the annual, even though it's in continuity, wasn't really carrying forward any direct storylines into this issue. Yes, and I
1: think you might have a slight problem with your bind, Chief. I know you're doing things chronologically, but in terms of the plots, it's it's going to become quite evident that this is pre-Billy's death, because Cobra Commander is very not concerned with that at all.
0: Is it mentioned, though, in here about Billy being dead or not being around?
1: No, but I tell you what is mentioned is uh, this takes place shortly after Destro and the Baroness learn about Darklon. So we'll come on to that in a moment, okay. but that so kind of at- puts it in that in that window, sort of after right. Destro and the Baroness leave the wax works or the Wax Museum okay. um, with a burn-on to go and do something, we right, learn so that this- they wind up doing absolutely nothing at all, yeah. <laughs> just going this back to have Scotland. Come-
0: this should have come potentially a few issues earlier, maybe, then
1: yeah well you know you can always just flick around uh, I'm yeah. just being pedantic on it no I? that's
0: no that's good that's good you you've you've maybe picked on something that again as even though I read this issue about half an hour ago I've forgotten stuff in it already uh, well, this is do you want to talk about this, the cover chief yeah I do definitely this is the cover I've got the cover a which is the fully colored version but you've actually got three versions of the same cover effectively you've got cover b which is Larry Harmer's pencils the Retailer Incentive cover, which is the black and white inked one by Ron Friends and Salbashima, and then you've got that same cover with the colours by Jay Brown. And it's a load of Crimson Guardsmen walking down the street, uh, holding up a big Cobra flag above their head.
1: They've got a full goose step going on there, man. Yeah. Both legs absolutely pin straight. And what is that gun that, that lead CG's holding? oh i wouldn't say i'm the gun expert man but okay. i don't actually recognize it as anything like typically you'd expect to see you know cobra using uh, S- soviet block weapons you know warsaw yeah. Pact weapons uh this ain't that it almost right. looks hmm no i really have Not no sharp. idea man uh, eagle-eyed listeners please feel free to point that out to us yeah yeah them bayonets look sharp though Oh, it's such a keen feature of
0: the classic Crimson Guards weapon. Yeah. <laughs> um. This is written by Larry Harmer. Obviously, the three artists here. We've got Ron Friends, Ron Wagner, and Herb Trimpey. Sal Bashima's on inks, and Rachel Rosenberg's on colors. Now, there's a disgruntled ex-Crimson Guardsman who wants to get his own back at society in general, and especially people who think have wronged him or are taking jobs etc or don't belong here he's you know got a few isms in him so to speak (laughs) and then we've got uh, a couple of teams that are tracking him down so cobra has uncovered this crimson guardsman's plot and they want to put a stop to it because they don't want their name sullied even though their name is pretty much sullied already and zartan and the dreadnoughts try to become cobra commanders uh, interception arm and meanwhile you've got a team of four joes who are also interested very interested in what this guy's doing mm. yeah
1: initially interested in in keeping tabs on zartan but i suppose it's zartan that then kind of tips them off as to this this cobra's yeah of course they
0: activities they're recon in the shack aren't they uh i do like these opening couple of pages which gets you straight to this guy's mo you know, it's kind of a palpable tension going on here where he's laid off from his job and he gets a parking ticket and he's not happy with the the way that the guy in the grocery store is his level of English and, you know, he goes back, he gets his TV dinner, he lives by himself, you know, he hears news stories, whatever, and by three pages in, he's, he's or four pages in, he's already gone to his closet and picking out his old crimson guardsman suit and it's it's quite a powerful first four first four pages.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, it feels like this annual has a lot of political things to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, particularly about the shrinking middle class of the United States and their general disgruntlement with the way things are going. My question, though, Chief, speaking about this uh, former Crimson Guardsman who is referred to as Ted, part of yes. the Ted series.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I just jumped, just to jump on you there, so to speak. We, I was only previously aware of the Fred. Is this the first introduction of the Ted?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say so, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it's, it's evident that there are very many generations of Crimson Guardsmen in different series. And I yeah. suppose they all have different requirements and, and, uh, and, and fulfill different functions. Uh, what we see in the Ted series, if we can assume that this guy is typical of the rest of his brothers in arms, is he ain't white-collar which is typically the, the kind of the, the Crimson Guardsman's calling card. They all have yes, white-collar ac- jobs, uh, accountants, accountants lawyers, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, other kind of suits. This guy works in the um, steel
0: mill or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: this guy's very much blue-collar, which is an interesting departure. Uh, I'm not saying it's not valid. It's just a, a new facet that we're not familiar
0: with. Yeah, and I, his, I like that because it kind of also went back in around issue 100 where Cobra Commander and the troops go into Millville and they kind of try to take over that town and that is a blue-collar working town as well so Mm. all these guys are getting brainwashed so we we had kind of seen it before but i I like what you're saying here and this is the first real time where we've seen a a blue-collar guardsman of any kind
1: i'm curious though this crimson guardsman decides to take things into his own hands which is all very fine and well because he's kind of rebelling against the system that is that that that's is thriving and alive and well in the united states why would an agent of cobra go it alone i mean it kind of points to the fact that cobra itself has become kind of toothless at this point and and maybe a little bit complacent because like first his first port of call would be like hey cobra commander uh it's time to overthrow the bourgeois you know elements of society it's time to overthrow the un-american parts of society it's time for cobra to do its job yeah. And and agitate things, you know. So he's obviously seems, disillusioned
0: with Cobra itself as well.
1: Which is something that the story doesn't really touch on, unfortunately. He no. seems to be definitely like his focus is on immigrants, it seems. Yes, That's the yes. political statement that this is trying to make, and I don't want Talking Joe to ever become a, a political podcast. But it's a it's a thorny issue, I think, yeah. in in most societies. The kind of the perception that immigrants are
0: good for nothing and taking local folks' jobs. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I mean, look, it's part of the story, you know. So obviously, Larry had something to say, I guess. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I do like the bit where Mindbender is first showing Cobra Commander, we've got this footage, blah, 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 and he used uh, Cobra, a credit card we issued him, and Cobra Commander's first response is, so what, cancel the card, send some vipers to rough him up and tell him to mind his manners. It's like a complete (laughs) throwaway. And then the next thing Mindbender says is, he used the card to buy half a ton of nitrate fertiliser. He's building a bomb, a big one. (laughs) Mm. Which makes it a little bit more serious. And he, this Ted guy... He just caps some dude. He's at a Cobra meeting, isn't he? He's got some guys together. And one guy do not want any part of it. Blam! Shoots this guy in the back of the head. Dead. Brown bread. <laughs> That's it. <Yeah.
1: laughs> hey, British colloquialism. That's I've been it. listening to a lot of you and Ben, clearly. <laughs> um, okay, so I think I got the facts wrong. Then then Scarlet and uh, Mutt and Gung Ho are actually keeping tabs on
0: Ted. Uh, well, they say.
1: Oh no, no, sorry. Okay, it's quite convoluted. They're watching the Dreadnoughts, but they've yes. got a camera free feed from yes. Broca Beach. Okay, gotcha. Yes, and this gotcha, is the gotcha. first.
0: This is the first of the the many uh, ex machinas, or uh, is if that's how you pronounce it correctly. Where, oh, yeah. where, <laughs> like you say, they're watching the shed, and then. Scarlet gets uh, an incoming message. I've got a combo intercept. Cobra Command in Broca Beach is sending Zartan an encrypted link. Good thing Mainframe cracked their codes last month. So, <laughs>
1: Look, at this stage, I'm surprised there are any secrets at all. I mean, the Joes know that Cobra is in Broca Beach. They also know about this Dreadnought hideout. I mean, it's, it's very in keeping with Zartan and the Dreadnought's um, character to be total hermits. I mean, they should have just moved to a new location. Because, yeah. I mean, this gas station has been known to the Joes ever since way, way back. I mean, there was an issue in the original run where the, the Thunder Machine goes toe-to-toe against uh, the Havoc.
0: Yeah, great one. In
1: the Everglades. And so, I mean, they've been keeping tabs on the Dreadnoughts. In fact, I think it was Mutt on that team as well. It was, That's yeah. That's when Junkyard yeah. gets chainsawed, doesn't he?
0: Ouch. Yep, by Buzzer. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. So, I mean, but Zartan and the Dreadnoughts should know that, like, the Joes... Uh, it's open cards at this point that the the,
0: the gas station is their hideout. Yeah. And I'm right in thinking that Zartan has been dispatched by Cobra Command to to silence Ted. Oh yes. Yeah. I guess you can understand sending Zartan out being the the master of stealth and disguise, etc. But would it have rather have been someone else? Do you think you know a heavy-handed approach, or do you think the one-man band approach was was right? By Cobra Commander. Uh, well, since Cobra Commander no longer has Storm Shadow
1: in his employ, I'd say Zartan is absolutely the man for the yeah. job. Um, he was also the man for the job in Killing the Hardmaster. So yeah, it seems right... like Zartan is, is
0: is Cobra Commander's go-to guy for dealing with things discreetly. Yeah, uh, And also, I guess it was a bit of recon anyway, because they didn't know at this point in time how many guys Ted had convinced to go Mm. along with it they had that one brief scene in the in the basement somewhere where there's only about four or five people but he doesn't know if that was more wide-reaching but we do get the answer to one question that has been plaguing me for 100 and well whenever the dreadnoughts came around for 150 issues plus and we finally get the answer what do the dreadnoughts need more chocolate covered donuts or grape soda we get that answer because ripper says we're almost out of little chocolate covered donuts and what's worse, we're low on grape soda. So, grape soda clearly is the number one thing for Dreadnoughts.
1: Well, they say you can go a week without food, but uh, a <laughs> couple of hours without any kind of <laughs> liquid and you're dead. Yep. But, uh, yeah, damn. All right. Have you always regarded those as kind of um, uh, metaphors for other substances that they're abusing? Or um, have I you hadn't, taken it? <laughs> I hadn't until now hmm yeah man it's 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 very cute but i always sort of thought of it as like kitty flying the dreadnoughts
0: right okay mm. yeah that makes sense that makes sense and you know an ult- i'm surprised really in the amount of reboots and alternate versions of gi joe there's been through the many publishers that there weren't kind of branded as a as a kind of hardcore drug using cult kind of gang thing but Maybe no one wanted to publish that story. <laughs> well, it all kind of changed for me after watching the first season of True
1: Detective, where the the guys encounter a truly scary biker gang, and they're sort of involved in all sorts of things, be it like hits or drug trade. I mean, yeah. these guys are bad, bad, bad dudes. Is that the one and with uh, scary?
0: Matthew McConaughey and um? Yeah, who else? And is it? And,
1: and and Woody. And Woody, Woody Harrelson, yeah, yes, of course. Yes. Dude,
0: so good. Gee yep. whiz. Yep. Uh, right, back to this one then. The the guys, Ted and his buddies, they, they're they tooled up. He's showing them all the fertilizer for the bombs he's making. Zartan is now disguised as a police officer and he comes round <laughs> to check out Ted. Not just any police officer.
1: He's like a, a mounted police officer. He's, he's a like biker. Like chips. Did you ever get Chips. We Africa. did, yeah. but I must say my first uh, thought when seeing a sort of a shape-shifting biker cop is the T-1000. Ah, uh,
0: yeah, of course, of course. See,
1: yeah. that's a nice bike. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: <sinister>. shit, homework. <sighs> oh, Chiefy, every homework, time, buddy. Double homework, because I haven't got um, Good the Bad and the Ugly yet, but that is on the list. <laughs> so, so by next week, I've got two movies to watch. There, okay. I'm afraid, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, is not a quick one,
1: is it? Is it I haven't is all... checked the runtime, but it does it does take a while.
0: It must be two forty plus. <laughs> I reckon. I don't know. I'm guessing, but uh, I'll have a look. <laughs> Do um, not watch the extended version, then. Okay. <laughs> uh, we get some more scenes of Ted being disgruntled because uh, his card's been cancelled, etc. And He's saying money-grubbing, money grubbing money money grubbing immigrants. Should there be money grubbing? Without grabbing? putting too fine a point on it. Yeah.
1: Money grabbing? Money grubbing? Um I don't know. I, I think I think money grubbing is
0: the, the phrase. Okay. There was now a scene which I don't think I understood. Zartan disguises himself as a little old lady with pink hair. Kind of zorana ish, I guess, an old Zorana <laughs> And why does he need this old lady purely for her phone? Because he needs to use her phone to call the dreadnoughts on the sterile phone, which they've got in the fridge, and to tell him to meet them at a certain place. Then he gets the old lady to drive him in the car. Is it just a super, super diversionary tactic? I don't really understand why he needed the old lady.
1: Uh, Cover, I guess. I mean, if the Joes would have checked their rear view mirror... And just see these biddies with pink hair behind them (laughs) they'd probably think nothing of it no matter how long they've been tailing them for yeah um i i don't know there's a a whole lot of of weird circumstances that play into this because the the old lady says um you know i don't believe you really are my long oh i should probably do an old lady impersonation i don't believe you really are my long lost identical twin sister I think you're my evil twin. Like, she's playing into this deception. She kind of, perhaps, um, a little bit, uh, uh, what's the word? She started losing her mind a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of Alzheimer's, perhaps, because either she has an identical twin sister or she doesn't. (laughs) So, for Zartan to be her mirror image, you know, she she either has, has someone who looks like that or doesn't. And so, I
0: don't know. I I don't know what's going on here. I don't don't know. Maybe Larry just wanted more Zartan shapeshifting kind of thing. Maybe he just wanted
1: to to tie it into the line talking about the devils in the detail. Yeah, you know, she she says you must be the devil, uh, and Zartan answers to that.
0: If you're implying that I live in the details, you are correct. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it was. I think you're right. It was clearly was just for that line. (laughs) <laughs> um, there's a bit as well there's another uh, bit of a handy things happening here when Scarlet don't they They go into where Zartan's been and they say oh his laptop's still warm or oh, maybe we can get the notepad and find you know do the old pencil rubbing over the notepad to, to Ooh, find out where he's going. I think going. it's
1: time for that word again deus ex machina that's it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they pull the it, name of the target, I guess, or the name of
0: Ted, Ted Bergendorf. I think. It. I guess it gets the mm. plot moving. Here's one, and I keep, I've keep been saying this for a while to myself and on previous episodes from a long time back, that I was going to get together all the images of Cobra Commander in his shooting galleries, because I think there must be about six or seven now, and we get a nice one here in Broca Beach, where he's got, like, looks like an AK-47, like you said, an old Soviet weapon, and he's got scarlet... Is that Duke probably in Snake Eyes cardboard cutouts, and he's just brap brap brapping them on the shootout? Mm. And then in the end, he gets some bad news from Mind Mender, tells Aran to make Ted and his crew go away forever, and he cuts them in half. Nice. That's a nice, uh, yeah, nice, man. nice panels and there. When you absolutely,
1: positively gotta kill every last mf in the room, except <laughs> no
0: substitutes. That's yeah, it. man, that's it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it's a fast-paced storyline and we'll talk a bit more about but at this point in time i want to just ask you about the art because we have got the three artists we got ron wagner ron friends and herb Trimpe, and i think they do a good job in complementing each other because even though you can tell where a new artist is on they're they're not straying too far from each other's styles chiefie i think you are far more
1: attuned to artist styles than i am i honestly could not tell you when one ends and the other begins
0: okay okay yeah, that's man. good that's it's... good then for the from the story point of view absolutely consistency because there was there's always a danger when you get books with multiple artists that in the, the the art style can be quite jarring when you go from one to another and it can change the pacing of the story or you know because each artist might do different panel layouts or do different things so it can change the tone and the reading and the flow of the issue but here I think it the, the flow was very very good and the art throughout the whole thing I thought was top notch the colors really tied together
1: I think yeah. in a previous book when they chopped and changed artists the coloring wasn't as as consistent I mean obviously modern colors use a variety of shading and techniques that just weren't available in the old, you know, in the old print format. Um, Yeah. So that's, that does give it a uniformity that perhaps otherwise would have jarred. Yeah. But no, man, here it's, it's all good in the hood. There are one or two art gaffes.
0: Maybe we'll get into that. Well, I Um, noticed one which was near the end with (laughs) mutt with no mustache. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That okay. oh, was it. We'll get to that one. Um, they, they they do end up, though, in this fairground, this kind of fun fair where Ted is going to let off his bomb. And the Joes have been choppered in in their van they're in. Is this just, was that just a, some sort of regulation? Who's picked him up there? I can't. Oh, it's Wild uh, Bill. Wild a Bill.
1: Ticket. Yeah. Using a Blackhawk again, which is unfortunate. Yes. I always lament opportunities missed. When you could have had a G.I. Joe piece of equipment. Instead, you're using regular army equipment. Not bad. I wouldn't say the Black Hawk looks terrific. You know, drawing aircraft is Trimpy's specialty. So I yep. think these weren't his pages, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Zata, meanwhile, has hijacked an Apex Air Freight aircraft. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Set it down right there in, in America land. Yeah and and then the dreadnoughts will just roll out the back. Don't worry about security, they're not about or the police or the whoever the army anyway, whatever. And another interesting thing is when Ted and his boys rock up, they've turned they, they outfit themselves in the crimson guard outfits and then they say, "But now I get it. We can walk anywhere we want in this park and everybody will just think we're part of the show." What a load of guys with cobra sigils on their on their chests, <laughs> carrying guns around. What I
1: kind of almost wish they'd stayed in the uh, the American president uh, outfits because yeah. they they arrive in their well. There's a George Washington and Abe Lincoln and a and a Franklin Roosevelt looks like yeah, good shout. Um, but I mean, hilarious if they were sort of gun-toting as former presidents <laughs> with those massive uh, heads
0: on because they've got huge huge masks. I see caricatures, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And I actually I've just flicked a few pages forward. And then I'm on the scene now where Mutt has found the van with all the explosives in and he's kind of leaning over the steering wheel and he's got his he's got his lid off. We don't often see him without his helmet, but he's got his helmet off and he has got no tash.
1: Oh man.
0: He had a quick shave, dude. It yeah, ain't November. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean it doesn't even look like Mutt without the, the, the Tash. It's amazing what like a good old Tom Selleck. Moustache will will do to a man's face. <laughs> it look, he looks like a
0: child. Yes, yeah, like like a
1: teenage Billy.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. He does. He's more Billyish than than Mutt there. But mm. anyway, turn the page and we get a dead crimson guardsman floating in the drink because Buzzers said um, there's a bit where he <laughs> says, "Did you see that torch? I chainsawed out half his spine." Mm-hmm. Interesting. So here we have, I think, the most international.
1: Cobra agents, there are, uh, versus a bunch of intolerant, disgruntled former cobras yeah. who are taking out their their woes on on America's immigrant population. I think, isn't Buzzer from from Oxford?
0: Buzzer is one of the is the
1: Brits, and the other two are the Aussies.
0: Possibly, and yes, Zartan. Right.
1: Zartan's uh, well, his current country of origin is unknown. But uh, he could be a Frenchman. He studied, um, possibly, potentially studied uh, military tactics at a,
0: a French um, military academy called Saint-Syr. Okay, that's interesting. I like yeah. that. I never never knew that or put that together. So, yeah, I, that's good because now when I read him, I'm going to read him a little bit more Frenchy. The question of sort of country
1: of origin is moot. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's a... He's a paranoid schizophrenic with these sort of multiple personality disorders, which is something that I found he's always very um, much more balanced in the comic book. Like, he could be a lot more unhinged. Yeah, we, don't really, see that, of,
0: we don't really see that madcap kind of unhinged, dueling yeah. personalities at all, do we? So. If
1: anything, in the company of, like, Cobra Commander and the Dreadnoughts, he seems the sanest man in the room. Yeah, Which very is high quite unique. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, mm. Definitely. I'll tell you what's not high brown. That is Mutt taking a drink in the river in this truck because then he bonks his head on the steering wheel and he's going down, man. He is, he's in trouble. Zartan. I like
1: that. Nice touch. I, I all of a sudden got very caught up when I, I mean, this is the, this is reading it for the episode. Um, was the first time I'd read this annual. Okay. It had not it. been on my yeah. radar previously. So all of a sudden I was like, shit, is Mutt alive in continuity right. at this point? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Homer could do anything. Like it's anybody's game, and this is an annual. This is kind of a standalone special event. You know, there's, there's some serious stakes here.
0: So I yeah. found the quickening of the pace was was unpredictable. Yeah, at this because point. he's gone down, and then you see Ted. He's having a rant and a bit of a monologue to himself, and he <laughs> he's pressed that button and he's set off that explosive. And then you see the truck at the bottom, Johnson Wholesale Meats, and the beep, 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 boom or thoom. And that's blown sky high. So, at this point Mm. in time, you don't know if Mutt and Junkyard have been wasted or or they're still alive. So, you know, a bit of tension created there. (sighs) Lovely panel of gung-ho at the bottom there. Incredible.
1: Incredible. Uh, And hopefully the art kind of gets you to disengage your critical mind a little bit. Because he's leveling a grenade launcher at the Dreadnoughts. And (laughs) very clearly... In their immediate vicinity, in their sort of background, are a lot of civilians. Yeah. and that is <laughs> Directly behind cl- the Dreadnoughts. That is close quarters and that is going to do some damage. Danger close, man. Yeah, good yeah. thing the Dreadnoughts don't call his bluff.
0: We get a little bit here and I should have guessed this because Zartan's in the issue. But then when Scarlet confronts Ted, launches a throwing star, hits him in the head, he's silhouetted in the picture and you see the background there's a woman holding her face in kind of shock, there's a dude covering his eyes with his arms because Ted has taken a throwing star thunk straight in the head and he is now six feet under but then of course I should have guessed that that actually wasn't Scarlet, that was Zartan all along That is such a ninja trope that a, s-
1: a throwing star to the head is an instant kill
0: Yeah because look how deep that is, that point is probably only embedded maybe an inch or two, not even that, and I don't think that's going to kill anyone. Mm, the thickest part of the skull, isn't that the forehead? Possibly, yeah. I mean, you should be aiming for the throat, I reckon. <laughs> well, I,
1: I don't know. I think, I think the trope is, like, go for the head, and it's an instant kill, like a yeah. headshot, that sort of video game logic. But I don't know, man. I don't see that's putting Ted down necessarily. Okay, well, uh,
0: well, to your point, or there's no actual... Confirmation that he's dead. Oh, actually, one of the guards oh. says that's the one who killed that guy, but he could have just taken one in the head and fell down, and an onlooker could have just assumed he was dead, so he may well not be dead. Okay, interesting. So look out for <laughs> if, Ted if cropping the... up in a in a subsequent issue.
1: <laughs> with a big hole in his forehead. But it. I did see it coming with Zartan as Scarlet, okay. I must say. That um, wasn't...
0: Yeah, because I guess guess we saw them encounter each other in one panel previously and we never saw the resolution of it. So we cut to another scene. So that did suggest that something went down and, yeah, you know, on reflection, it was him. And then you see Scarlet saying, I should have seen that right hook coming as the real Scarlet wakes up. Um, Zartan makes his getaway by clocking Gung-Ho, gets on the Dreadnought's bikes, he's off. And then, as in standard... Larry Hammer fashion, it's all wrapped up in one page, like I said with Zartan getting off, and the last two panels, oh look, it's some simulated dog rescue uh, dog slobber. Good old junk.
1: Yeah. He looks very cat-like in that uh, second to last panel. Too cat-like for me. (laughs) Oh well, no worries, I mean, you you sign on to do a G.I. Joe book, you uh, do not anticipate the fact that you're
0: going to have to draw a dog. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people, a lot of I say, drawing animals, especially dogs and horses, are not are not the go to. But anyway, I continuity wise, where did Zartan get his bike from? The dre- was it his bike or he jumps on the back of a dreadnought's bike, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, but they're already a bike short. You know, yeah. Torch is saying oh, Ripper will have to ride on the back of my bike. So there's by the end of it, there are still three bikes. But uh, yeah. You know, that, that doesn't account for the fact that Ripper got t- taken off his bike. I, whatever. Don't yeah. sweat the details, s Jubbs. No. Um, initially, <laughs> so what if I... Mutt doesn't have a moustache? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Initially, I thought, because I don't think you read this issue, but I think you might mention to me offline or on a text that this could be the issue that, follows where scarlet goes to the pit where she sees spirit on the in the quonson hut and goes down because she's kind of coming back from a mission and it could have been this mission she was coming back from but like you mentioned earlier today maybe this was should have been set before now i didn't really pick it up going through the issue there but what what was it suggested to you this issue that it was kind of set where baroness and destro were flying off to do nothing etc It's the scene, the first scene we
1: see Cobra Commander and Mindbender. They're in Broca Beach. They're uh, at the Wax Museum. And it seems like, firstly, Cobra Commander isn't in mourning. He isn't uh, obsessed with his quest for revenge against the Blue Ninjas. And there's a line that he has when he sees Mindbender saying... I have to figure out a new plan to counter what Destro and Baroness are up to about disrupting our deal with Darklon. Ah, yes. Now, course. this must have taken place before all the kind of um the G.I. Joe operation in Darklonia to apprehend Darklon, because it seems like none of this is touched on in the main series. This is kind of yeah. forgotten about. Like, Cobra Commander isn't intercepting Destra and the Baroness. the Destra and the Baroness are not concerning themselves with what happens to Darklon either. No. They learn no. that he's still alive and they don't hightail it over to Darklonia. Instead, they just head back to Scotland and are forgotten about. So... Um, Bit of a continuity gaff, I don't know. Maybe we can uh, no-prize our way out of it, but uh, why bother? Why not just point and laugh? That's it, that's it. G.I. Joe, the convoluted continuity.
0: I think it's enough of a standalone issue and that kind of reference is small enough to not wash away, but, you know, well, yeah, wash away and just accept because I don't think it has any far-reaching ramifications. But um, overall, I enjoyed this. You know, I, I thought the art was solid as we mentioned throughout. I thought the writing was good, with a few hiccups. I'm not—I wasn't sure about the evil twin sister bit, and some of the Deus Ex Machinas were a little bit too on the nose. But overall, I had fun with this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to give this more than a six. Um, This—the
1: the sort of the—the the intrigue for me now, re- rereading it, is uh, the fact that we, we finally get an insight into what. Cobra
0: veterans concern themselves with. Yeah, that was the most interesting bit for me. And I don't think it got... Well, I suppose it did get fleshed out to an extent because that was the whole of his his spiel, the whole of his kick was about that, getting one back. But I would have liked a little bit more meat to those bones rather than just saying, you know, money-grubbing immigrants, and etc. I'd have liked a little bit more to it and maybe to have tried to take a pop at Cobra instead. Maybe he felt mistreated and he was where he is because Cobra didn't have his back or didn't support him. And, you know, just a little bit more to mm-hmm. it would have been nice.
1: Yeah, well, it, it also seems to be looking at a very sort of unsophisticated plot. You know, this guy, he's using all this kind of Crimson Guard training and networking and whatnot, but he's still very low brow. And when all said and done, it you know it took very few G.I. Joes to... To intervene yeah. and and put paid to his plots yeah uh, what's the term that you like to use low rent I mean it's a very kind of yeah very much more domestic story there's yeah. nothing too broad and big it seems like Larry had some very political things to say uh, in this issue yeah. in which you know take it or leave it either you're a fan of a, a sort of
0: a story from the heart or you're not yeah, um, I think I think I'm in me, the same boat as you. I, I I did have fun with it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a one I'm going to go back to regularly, but I am going to give this six YoJo colas. Wow, we've lined up for the first time ever, Chief. In sync, baby. And <laughs> I'm not talking <laughs> bye, about bye, the band. Bye. Yeah. Damn! (laughs) Um, listen next week we are definitely going to do 177 because you've already read it and i need to do that and we're also going to do 178 so you've got to read one more i've got to read two more that's 177 and 178 next week but right now i want to hear about some toys and i clearly not going to do that so that's down to you pal steve talks about toys ho ho steve talks about g i joe he talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show steve talks about toys Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Boomtown. Well,
1: given the subject of this issue, being a disgruntled Crimson Guardsman, what better than to take a close look at the Crimson Guards?
0: Yeah, boy. Let me just fire off some pictures to you, Chief. Yeah, please do. Get some visual references. So I only have, as you're doing this, I only have... And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I don't want to ever claim to be a G.I. Joe expert in any category at all. I'm definitely not one in toys. I'm only familiar with one version, and it is the classic version.
1: Oh, well, why would you want anything but? <laughs> when all said and done, they nailed it on the first pass. This yeah. is an exquisite figure. Uh, really, really, really nice. And it's something that if you only look at you know, in, in the very broadest of, of strokes... Uh, You'll only see like a red figure. But the details, the fineries to this figure are, they're in a class of their own. Uh, It's easy to see why this is on a lot of people's top tens. But as always, let's begin with the file card. And there were a few variations, but for the sake of, I suppose, purity, I'm going to go with the first uh, iteration of the file card. Sounds good. Because it's got some interesting points that we might we might touch on in our discussion cobra elite trooper code name crimson guard file name top secret it doesn't say various which you'd normally expect with an army builder but anyway top secret i like that adds to the secrecy of the character primary military specialty undercover espionage secondary military specialty accounting birthplace various countries grade e4 or equivalent The Crimson Guard are the elite shock troops of the Cobra Legions. All CGs must hold a degree in either law or accounting, as well as being in top physical condition. Final stages of training take place in the deepest recesses of Cobra headquarters and is purported to involve an initiation ceremony too hideous for description. Crimson Guardsmen are too precious to be wasted on the conventional battlefield. They are dispersed about the country in deep cover, assuming apparently normal appearances and lifestyles. Watch out. That friendly new neighbour of yours might just have a red uniform hanging in his closet. Yeah,
0: I like that last line. That's quality.
1: So many interesting concepts come out of this file card. Things that were touched on in the comic book series, and things that were touched on never again. Yeah. By that I'm referring to the initiation procedure. Yeah, that sounded interesting. Yeah, man. Like... My first thought always runs to, like, a certain form of, like, mutilation. <laughs> that, like, there is no way you cannot be a CG if you've agreed to have maybe the the, the tip of your, your pinky toe chopped off or something like that. It's just like, if you want to, beyond all reasonable doubt, assure your allegiance to the secret cult. Because, let's face it, that's what the Crimson Gods are. They are a cult within a cult. And... To swear their allegiance, they've got to go through some kind of procedure. I mean, one might also reference the uh, mandatory cosmetic surgery that they undergo. Yeah, of course. The Fred Fred series all having the same face. What is your read on that? What is the function of having an interchangeable army of clones, basically? Yeah, because
0: it's never really, you know, explained or taken into account, is it? It's just kind of, I remember vividly, it's some of my favorite issues, where... You know, Cobra Commander's having a rally and he introduces, doesn't he, the Fred? And he's got his briefcase and he's got his wife and his two kids. And he mentions there, you know, he's got his Cobra guardsman outfit in the closet. You never know who your neighbors are and what they're going to be doing. And you kind of, it's kind of, as a kid, it's kind of fun because you're like, oh, all these bad guys have all got the same face. But then you sit back and think, wait a minute, they couldn't really work too closely together in the same <laughs> building or even in the same, t- 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 you know, close-knit town or village because this to bring up too many questions surely but if they're certainly in the era of facial recognition software yeah, i mean and... these guys you, you bust one of them you've bust them all and how many are we to believe there are i mean they're not the day-to-day troop but it was kind of intimated that they were almost like an upgrade from a cobra trooper because i don't think when they were brought in vipers were a thing yet i think we were still just Cobra Troopers and I think in the at at
1: their onset and this is before the Ted series which we learn of in this um, uh, this annual who's a more kind of a blue-collar Crimson Guardsman I think would probably kind of be brought on just similar to the Iron Grenadiers um, where you'd want to swell your forces very quickly you kind of broaden the the acceptance criteria but initially and this is um, something I gleaned from, like, a Devil's Due uh, write-up. The Crimson Guardsmen were selected first and foremost as troopers who had degrees. Right, okay. So they were already graduates, which which makes it interesting that the file card gives their rank as E4. Like, typically, I mean, in conventional armies of the world, if you have tertiary education, if you are a graduate, you are automatically a sort of officer pay grade or higher. Yes. So these guys are enlisted men. I guess Cobra runs things slightly differently. Maybe they don't want anyone to to start out, you know, with a kind of an automatic rank. You yeah. still have to work your way up from the bottom. Yeah. Because now- essentially, like Crimson Guardsmen, in spite of their education, they still are charged with some mundane activities
0: like guarding the Cobra Commander. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, listen, talk to me about this particular figure because there's Ooh. quite a lot of detail, detailing on the figure of... of- some nice. Brother,
1: they've got like a sort of a braided rope around their right. They've got shoulder pauldrons. They've got a unit patch, which is gorgeous. It's a tampo with a, a cobra sigil set into a triangle and then flanked by, what are they, palm fronds? Yeah, I think so. Those Looks sort of like, like yeah, those leaves on either side. That is a fantastic unit patch. Uh, really, really beautiful design. Probably credited to Ron Rudat. Who was the earliest um, designer working on on Joe? And he probably coincided with the Crimson Guardsman uh, before he left Hasbro. Yep. It's incredible. Um, just one one shade of red used throughout. They would vary that in later Crimson God iterations, but on this one, it's perfect. I'd say while you'd mention it in the same breath as the Iron Grenadier, it has the edge on the Iron Grenadier in one specific well maybe two specific facets. I mean the red is a lot more striking but also the Iron Grenadier doesn't have the added detail of the tempos whereas the Crimson God has not only that shoulder patch as I mentioned yep. but the big old cobra symbol right in the middle of the chest yes. of his, his sort of battle tunic. It looks very ceremonial. It's not designed as a functional uh, frontline dress but that didn't stop the Crimson Guardsman from being used in that, in that sense anyway. Uh, and we get later versions that, that, that further push it into a kind of frontline troop realm. But just to wrap up on the, the classic and best, as we've already mentioned, <laughs> yeah. in terms of sculpted weapons, he's coming up a little bit light, but he does have what I would call a sawn off shotgun on his left thigh which is a nice close-quarters uh, weapon, which then would complement his included weapon, which is a... I think the card described it as an AK-48, right. which I think is a bogus weapon, sort of made up. Form BX-257 on YouTube calls it an AK-4... No, an AK-5, which is a, a Swedish gun. Uh, that could be possible. Uh, it certainly has the same configuration with the same straight um box magazine. But what really appeals to me about this gun is that very vicious bayonet. Yeah. The toy actually has serrations on the bayonets, which is a fantastic amount of detail given the size of this weapon. It's not oversized. It is scaled perfectly, which is so nice because, I mean, so many assault rifles later on in the line started getting a little bit loose with the scaling. Yes. Like if you think of um, Leathernecks um, M203 M- M16 combo, like that gun is is a little bit too big. Okay. Uh, whereas back in '85, they really nailed the scaling. And for my money, buddy, the Crimson Guards rifle is the best assault rifle ever produced in the classic line, ever, ever, ever. There you go. It is High my all time
0: favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing beats it. It and is beautiful. Interesting shape backpack as well.
1: So it's designed as a kind of a ceremonial pack, which which looks good even when these guys are just charged with guard duty. You know, it's not a a soft backpack as you would expect field operatives to have. I think the best sense of this accessory was made by the Sideshow 1-6 to scale figure that they produced. So the way it's designed... Is that the it's a hard pack that top flips open and the front flips down to create a kind of a stand, okay, like a portable battle stand, which then the CG can can rearm himself or reload. It carries, I think, four magazines of ammunition for his primary weapon and two flash grenades. Okay. Very, very nice touch. Nice. Yeah, sorry, I didn't actually send you a picture of that. No, no, no. Hopefully, we can grab one for the listeners and the Definitely. socials if they're so. Yeah, I had,
0: a, I had a little look at these pictures. I'm not overly keen on the uh, color scheme on the second dude, the gray and yellow. So, oh my goodness. Yes. Let's talk about other versions. Well, <laughs> so no.
1: the immediate departure was the Python Patrol. Oh, is that what it is? Crimson yeah. Guardsman, yeah. Cool. which is the most ridiculous contradiction in terms because Python Patrol Crimson Guardsman, um, and he's not crimson. Yeah. <laughs> he's like yellow with an all gray face. There's no detail to the face. It's awful. It is the most maligned version of this Crimson Guardsman. Sorry, listeners, if uh, this happens to be one of your favourite figures, there's always love for the little guy. But it's just... How can you not have a Crimson, Crimson Guardsman?
0: Yeah.
1: Madness. Um, I don't like the next one either. Oh, yes. The next one would be the version 16 Right. If you've got yojo.com to hand. And the reason I shared it with you, this represents a more uh, flexible outfitted Crimson Guardsman. So you'll see in the image that I sent you, he's wearing like a, a an armored vest. Yeah. Now that's a removable piece which can go over his classic tunic. Right. Okay. But in addition to that, he comes with a saber and a scabbard, very similar to the Iron Grenadier's. But the sabre is removable, so that would be a more of a honor guard, crimson guard. But in the same package, you get this flak jacket or whatever you'd call it, armored vest. So he looks like a frontline troop. And add to that the fact that, and I think I sent you the image, he came with a, a small sheet of stickers. Yes. Allowing you to customize your Crimson Guardsman with various kind of unit markings, one of them including the Cobra Air Force marking, which is a Cobra symbol flanked by like bat wings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very I mean, cool symbol. That that is quite cool. I quite like that customizable feature, but I don't like the helmet. It looks too squared off for me. Um mm. looks like someone's just put a bucket on his head.
1: I tell you what bugs me about it is if we're to to believe that there's a human head inside this modern uh, Crimson Guardsman helmet, then he has a very, very tall forehead because his eyes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're to believe that his eye, you know, the 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 view slits are where his eyes are at, like, he's got a lot of head above that. Yeah. Maybe it's filled with, like, communications gear or maybe they just goofed because, uh, yeah, the, the helmet is a bit distracting. I think they nailed it on the
0: first pass. Uh, you and know, I can agree that uh, you can't beat the original flavor, that's right? It, that's it. Um, good stuff. I think I might even have one old one in my box. I'm going to have a look in a minute. About... You've
1: got it, Chief.
0: Bro, yeah. this is a beautiful figure. Please, oh, uh, I hope
1: you haven't palmed him off I mean, like you did with your Star Wars collection. Oh, I recently re-listened to that episode of uh, <laughs> Out of Timers. Oh, dear. Man. Ah, look. Oh, there dear. he is.
0: Got him. Yay! Great. Now then, the next question is, have I got his gun? I'm not looking for that right now. But, uh... Yeah, there he is. True story. I found uh, my first Crimson Guard rifle,
1: and which started my love affair with the weapon, at Dublin City Comics. Oh, really? I root, rooted around their um, the sort of used toy bins and found some old Joe's, and I they parted with them. I think at like twelve euro a pop. I was like, "Geez, guys, you okay. are you're killing me here." But uh, I got a, a couple of accessories thrown in just for just for for
0: gratis, nice. and that was one of them. He's got a bit of a loosey goosey arm. Bit of a nothing
1: wrong with that buddy i'd rather have loose joints at this stage yep. than tight joints because the plastic being the age that it is it's prone to cracking so okay yeah man rather yeah. have buttery loose joints than stiff ones means he's been played with as well which is good chief there's a parallel i want to draw before we 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 rule a, a line in the sand and, and call it a day on the yes please guards. yeah do it these guys are Cobra Commanders in a circle. You know, th- there's been a tenuous link drawn between them and obviously the, the Crimson Twins, yes. Termex and Zaymots. I would say that they are commanders of the Crimson God in function only. Yes. Like, they have accounting backgrounds, law backgrounds. They're the money makers of the Cobra Legions. So they're concluding b- high-end business deals in society by day and donning the Crimson Gob by night and going to the sort of cult meetings. But their ultimate allegiance is to Cobra Commander. Yeah. You know, when Cobra Commander came back from the dead, it was the Crimson Guard that unearthed him. So it's beyond doubt that the CGs are his private army, army within an army. And in that sense, they are a lot like the Schustuffel of the Nazis. Yeah. The SS. These guys exist outside of the regular army. They are definitely their own thing. They work with the Wehrmacht or the Cobra Army, but they are definitely, like, something else. Yep. And their very, very crisp uniforms are the initial visual cue. Because, I mean, the, this, the SS always seem to have that, like, black garb, always portrayed in the media very immaculately. So I think... At the outset, that was what the toy designers were
0: trying to channel with the Crimson Guards. Yeah, and you even mentioned on the cover of the annual that we covered today, they're kind of goose-stepping on that front cover. Big time, big time. Yeah, interesting. And and
1: their function as Crimson Guardsmen is chiefly the, the protection of Cobra Commander. Something that I also want to raise, and this is pertinent to the comic book specifically... Uh you know I mentioned that you know when Cobra Commander came back from the dead it was the Crimson Guardsmen who were his immediate allies yes yep and helped him overthrow sort of the Cobra usurpers What is intriguing is that in the Cobra civil war the Crimson Guardsmen swore allegiance to Serpentor ah yes of course So my theory is they knew that Fred 7 was was standing in for Cobra Commander. They somehow, you know, they'd, they'd worked this out within their own brotherhood of Crimson Guardsmen. Right, yes. There are probably lines of intel and communication that exist purely within a, a Crimson God network and is exclusive uh, to Crimson Guardsmen and does not get communicated to the rest of the Cobra organization because they knew that something was up and so they were going to side with Serpentor to try and eliminate... This usurper, uh, when that didn't work out, and uh, <laughs> very pointedly at the edge of um, Zartan's <laughs> arrow to Serpentil's eye, then I guess they kind of bided their time and jumped on the opportunity to side with the true Cobra commander. You know, about 20 issues later.
0: Yeah, interesting commentary there, as always. Uh, Sjub Seven raises the bar on this show, but uh, yeah, fantastic, good stuff. Enjoyed hearing that and about the Crimson Guardsman Hopefully you can educate me next week with more Toy Talk. But right now, we need to confuse some people because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over-Egging the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to over-egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some commonwealth colloquialisms. (laughs) Uh, What'd you go for me this time, Chief? Well, last week was an abject failure from the Chief with something that wasn't even a colloquialism. It was just a word in the English language. So this time I had one lined up, but in a preamble chat before we started recording, I was talking about some recording equipment and realised that one of the words I was using was actually a... British colloquialism, and that is muff, and uh mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the imagination races as to what meaning so that word has. Would, in in the context of our conversation, I hasten to add, we were not talking about a colloquialism version. It was I was <laughs> talking about the 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 muff that goes over my microphone to kind of dampen the sound, etc. But in, in the UK. Uh, You would refer to, well, you know what it is, but I'll I'll educate (laughs) some of the other listeners. You would refer to some lady bits as Muff. And further to that, I mean, isn't there a a, a synonym
1: for uh, the cops? The Fuzzy Muff? The Fuzzy Muff, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah? Or the Fuzz, (laughs) I suppose. The Fuzz, yeah, that's it. There you go. Bam. Anyway, swiftly moving on, what have you got for us, sir?
1: Well, the Aussie colloquialism I'm going to use today was something that um, my wife brought up on the phone to some doctors in the emergency department. Someone had come off their bike and they were wearing <laughs> the Queensland safety gear, which was a t-shirt, shorts and a pair of thongs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? What is a thong in Aussie slang? A t-shirt? What
0: was it? A t-shirt? T-shirt, shorts, and a pair of thongs. So you've got the top covered. We've got the bottom covered. So thongs, I'm guessing, are kind of like flip-flops or sandals.
1: Jeez, chalk one up for the cheek. Okay, got one. Yeah, buddy. That was In only Aussie, by process of they elimination. Would call your flip-flops are thongs, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a it's an epicenter of much hilarity. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you've been told, you know, we're going to the beach. Make sure you pack your thongs. It's like. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> what yeah. kind of beach are we going to? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the South African colloquialism is something that's, oh man, it's, I I wish I knew the origin of this. It it really stumps me, but if I was to say to you, chips, it would not be in reference to something you eat. Okay, chips. It's a verb. Yes. And, and what would, if I was to say chips, what would it have you doing?
0: Chips. Oof, I, I I am stumped, my
1: friend. Buddy, that's why we have this section. <laughs> if I was to say chips, it would mean get out of the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Typically, you would say it three times for uh, emphasis. What? Just so chips, like, chips, 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 chips. Okay. Or <laughs> chips, my brew. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you if, yeah, if you're if sort of looking down a blind corner. Uh, in the car, and your passenger's leaning forward, and you're like, Chips, my brew. Right. Like, s- like just sit back so I can see if uh, there are any oncoming cars okay. on the side street. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, I might, I might try and context. use that.
0: I might try and use that. Good luck. Confused. Chips. Confused and the like, heck what? out of people.
1: Crisps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Good stuff. Uh, I think I fared a little bit better than last week. Uh, always a couple of crackers from you, as always. And now it is time for. We ask you a question. We ask you a question. What will you say? What will you do when we ask listeners a question? I actually never remember what the proper words for that are, so I was kind of winging it again. Chiefie, you're the fre- 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 freestyle. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Right> the microphone. <laughs> um, the question we asked you, the listeners, was... Of all the pop culture Starfighters out there, with a little caveat of a max three crew, what is your favourite? So, favourite Starfighters across the world of pop culture with a max three crew. So, first, I'm just going to jump to the Twitter, and we Pocket Epiphany sent us a GIF of Poe Dameron in his uh, X-wing, whatever version of X-wing that is from, from that movie. Say what you will about the sequels, man, but they have some incredible
1: space battles. Yeah, and seeing the X-wings handling in an atmosphere, like at wave top level. Oh yeah, man, that's the one. That's the that was gift, in the trailer, yeah. wasn't it? it was. That was yeah. Oh, so that got my blood pumping.
0: Is this this is a version of the was it T sixty five Income X-wing starfighter? Yeah, the original. I think, I think. the. Yeah, the 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 T-70 is what they use in The Force Awakens and
1: On, I think. Right. It's got that wicked cool, like, really slender um, S-foil design.
0: Yeah, it looks like the bottom wings are set forward a little bit as well, as opposed to the top. Yeah, so that they mesh. Yeah. when, When they come
1: together, they mesh into one surface as opposed to, like, you know, two wings basically creating this really thick airfoil I guess it just makes it better for handling uh, in the atmosphere it looks cool which means nothing
0: once you split them anyway yeah colour scheme is nice as well I quite like that sleek sleekness Uh, over on Instagram Cavball Customs said X-Wing probably due to its impact on my childhood but the ARC 170 from the Clone Wars era looks way cooler in my opinion
1: hmm that's why i set the occupancy to three <laughs> we had this talk didn't we chief and yeah. i was like mm, the arc fighter from clone wars has three crew and an astromech so does that make a four? anyway it's it's a it's a hell of an interesting design yeah i always thought that those ships kind of whereas the kind of the the original trilogy uh ships were all very like uh fun- function over form yes the clone Wars stuff still had like a a bit of design panache and flair. Yeah, definitely. Like the elements of those ships that kind of have a bird of prey, like beak yeah. to them, which is an unnecessary uh, design flair, you know, in terms of function. But, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Weird. I just always thought, like, the, the cannons are set so far apart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got these massive wing pylons with these big guns. But... You know, the, the, the
0: smaller craft must be able to slip right in between that yeah, that firing. Right. I got some homework for you over on the Outer Timers. Me and Ben are doing a Clone Wars animated rewatch, so <sighs> that's probably going to drop maybe next week, I think, and that'll be maybe a twice weekly kind of a fifteen-minute show where we just rewatch a couple of episodes. We're going to do it in chronological order go to the Star Wars official website and it will rather than just season 1 season 2 season 3 it's it, there's a list for chronological order. So now they're all oh, available wow. on Disney Plus. Um, should be more Well, if you guys available.
1: are doing it it must be good, but I must say like the first few episodes that I watched I was like, "Eh, it's not my jam." Yeah, yet.
0: a lot a lot of the talk was always you just make it through season 1 and then you'll hit the good stuff. I mean, you never want to have to invest that much time in something that you have to air quote get through. To, the, to get to the good stuff so I don't know I, I I don't like episodes 1, 2 and 3 of the movies but this is a, a vastly better version of, of the Clone Wars era in my opinion. Anyway, let's move on Uh Phil from Canada Phil, my man Phil love Phil, uh, he says <laughs> TIE Fighter that throaty sound design they have in the films are brilliant plus they share a similar body shape to my own interesting <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice and Hillbilly Harper says Slave One.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I suppose it
0: operates with one crew, but
1: uh, Starfighter? I mean, a Y Wing could run rings around a, a
0: Slave One. Yeah. Not, not would, so. you, would you say Slave mm. One was more of a kind of a custom, custom, fre- not freighter, but kind of a custom build for FET rather, it's than, Origin a pr- rather was... than a production line Starfighter? I think its origin
1: was in law enforcement. Okay. Um, what was it? A fire spray from Kuya? No, I yes, don't know what I'm talking spray, about. Think, but, yeah. anyways, like it, it, um, it, it sort of has a bit of a hold. So, so it could take captives, and which made it the perfect vehicle for a bounty hunter. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely souped it up. I mean, the weapon systems that you see on display in episode two. Abundant, he's got a lot of hidden weaponry, sort of yes. pop out guns and missile launchers and mine dispensers, that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: but definitely the TIE fighter from Phil. I, I That TIE fighter is a great design. And over which on which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the well, yeah, over on the over on that was just a just straightforward TIE fighter, I think, but just classic. Okay. Over on the Facebook, Michael also said TIE fighter, he gave it another vote, and Matt so I just mm. said Darth Vader's TIE fighter
1: nice okay yeah i think matt has a, a bit more of an eye on self-preservation because <laughs> i mean the classic tie doesn't have hyperdrive and it doesn't have shields the tie x1 which is the tie advanced darth vader's yep. uh has both of those yes which is exactly how he managed to survive his ordeal
0: correct and then obviously nice. you've got you know i don't know if anyone mentioned it but tie interceptor would be next one i guess and that, oh so cool that is a that is a good looking ship I started playing the X-Wing miniatures game a few years ago, and I bought a lot of miniatures for that tabletop game. It was really, really good, and I ended up selling them. But I'd like to reinvest and start playing again. And in that, there were, I think, a lot of ties from the expanded universe and stuff. So I don't know all the names of them. There's one that's got kind of like three. Three pylon wings coming off of it. Mm, I
1: think that'd be the tie defender. That's a, the tie defender. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. 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 I think that comes from the the tie fighter video game right Lucas Arts in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. But Oof, I mean, that is a good I, line. I, of it. I wasted away a lot of hours to those games: <laughs> X-wing, tie fighter. Mm.
0: Emmett says the VF one Valkyrie.
1: Oh yes. I don't know. Tom
0: cats in space.
1: What is it? I don't know what that is. So Macross or Robotech, oh, okay, yeah. the VF-1 is is the, the kind of the, the superstar ship right. of that series. It transforms. It has three modes. It's got the sort of space superiority fighter armed with a gun pod, missiles, and I suppose little sort of head cannons, and then the robot mode or bat, batroid mode, I think, and then the sort of the hybrid mode between the two. Uh, Sort of half robots, half jet. It's basically a jet with legs and arms. Okay. Which handles more like a helicopter than a jet.
0: Mm, That sounds interesting. Cool.
1: Very cool. Love that ship. I'm surprised that uh, it's not a show that you're familiar with, Chief. Yeah. Kind of is your
0: era. Yeah, it is. uh, But as we've we've been finding over the last few weeks (laughs) that I uh, have not really consumed as much retro pop culture as i thought i did uh, as a kid or as an adult so i am a lot a lot of this show now i like it because it's a learning curve for me i'm exposing my flaws of knowledge and it's good because i'm you know filling those gaps i like it
1: now chiefy there are only so many hours in the day man yeah uh, yeah
0: uh michael uh mike also says independence day resurgence also has some decent fighters yeah i meant to do the research they kind of look like uh why if twenty
1: threes okay uh which was the design that didn't make it into production, so you you know the f twenty two raptor yes yep. yeah man so the y f twenty three uh just chops off two of the tail planes okay. and um it's a lot flatter uh yeah and i think also like didn't the resurgence take on the the f thirty five lightning it basically it makes makes spaceships out of our current um like premier fighters. Got it. I say our. It's really just used by the United States (laughs) and very, very wealthy neighbours. Yeah. yeah. Of which I think maybe Japan is the only one. Yeah.
0: Actually, Mm -hmm. you have mentioned a key point there. Maybe it would have behooved me to have looked at all the responses prior to the show and also done my own research. So (laughs) next time, I will. Buddy, you keep looking after that Evelyn. (laughs) Evelyn. (laughs) Evelyn. (laughs) <laughs> Evil Lynn, and yeah, your sports brilliant. bet in action man
1: yeah, um, dude, you got a, you got a lot of
0: splits to spin that's it uh doug says 1980s viper from galactica yes
1: good. oh man good
0: he prompted me to look at a few like action
1: sequences from the original show okay much as i love the remake and much as it's got critical acclaim i do love the model work in the classics. yeah and i'm sure they got a lot of mileage out of the same shots and they must have because that stuff was budget burners but it still holds but up well but the guy it's beautiful i love seeing model work in in um science fiction because as, particularly the the era that the Battlestar Galactica remake came from like the early 2000s like the the cg is too clean it's too polished it's too yeah. too video gamey you know a, as impressive as it is it still looks too polished, whereas the model work is gritty, it's filmed nicely. Uh, The man responsible for it was John Dykstra, whose name is synonymous with Star Wars. Yeah. And it's fantastic to see, like, real models, you know, that are photographed using real cameras and lit using real lights with real shadow. You know, just seeing those things maneuver, seeing a real object on screen is always preferable, at least at that stage. To the CG that was available at the time. Yeah. So yeah, Colonial Viper, fantastic craft. Uh,
0: sticking with the colonial theme, uh, Jim says, "Can we squeeze the Colonial Marine Dropship into that category?" And I think you had replied to him uh, saying, uh, "Don't uh, with those ridiculous <laughs> missile pods." Come on. I, I think. Well, I mean, this kind of exceeds the
1: the crew. Okay, okay, you could fly one of those things, those dropships, with just one pilot. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it's a big beast, and it's not really a starfighter. You get what I mean? Yeah, of course, a, yeah. It is a dedicated dropship
0: for deployment yeah. of vehicles and troops. Yeah. Uh, Bart says, how about the ship from the last starfighter? Now, again, if I'd have done my research, oh. I could have pictured that. I've seen the movie, but I can't at this moment in time picture what that ship looks like.
1: Oh, man. The last starfighter, that had a huge impact on me as a child. Yeah, I think I mentioned in the thread to Bart that uh, I used to just repeatedly try and build gun stars out of lego like i had grey space lego and bits of blue lego so i tried to create that design to a greater or lesser degree uh, of success in lego but uh, for instant nostalgia drop here is the excellent main theme from the last starfighter oh yeah please do
0: Stuff, there we
1: stuff. go. Do you have much uh, much of a context for, uh, that, for that film?
0: Yeah, I did. Like and, you, you- I, I watched it as as a kid. Probably not as much as some other sci-fi stuff, but yeah, it was not a regular staple, but definitely something that I, I did watch quite a bit. Yeah, oh,
1: it gave me hope that there was a career for me uh, <laughs> if I
0: just played enough video games. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris is another vote for X-wing. Uh, Mike says. The last one, of course. Ah, uh, that's in reference to the last Starfighter. Oh, okay. So the
1: question read, what is your favorite Starfighter? He's like, the last yeah, one. Of course, yeah. Hey, Amen. Very good, very good. Let's, let's ramp up that theme one more time.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so Jim comes back with another option, and his is the Vic Viper from Gradius pretty iconic and he's put a nice picture of um i played gradius quite a bit and uh yeah that is it's quite a flat ship isn't it
1: yeah. oh man it, it's a beautiful design i i did a bit of research on that myself which also included watching a playthrough of the original nintendo gradius oh wow oh my goodness man that's tough all those like, shooters side-scrolling so shooters impossible yeah Impossible. Yep. I do not have the, the reflexes for that stuff. Yep.
0: Uh, Jim also gives us the R-Type R9 Arrowhead ship.
1: It's a chunky beast, eh? It's a chunky beast. Very much beast. like the last Starfighter. Yeah, it looks, a lot of
0: junk in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. and it looks almost like it's kind of a head with legs and a tail. It's a, it's a bit of a weird design. Uh, mm. And then Pete pops up and he says another vote for X-Wing. And I know partially the reason for that is because he was an extra as an X-Wing pilot in... The, the recent Star Wars movies. So, Outstanding, man. Yeah, got to wear, got to wear the uniform and everything. Got to wear the uniform. And I think he appears for a split second in one of the scenes. So, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, what about yourself? Have you got a personal preference for any of these? Or something that wasn't mentioned? Always going to come back to the toys, man. The toys. Yes.
1: And the first time I had a nice selection of Starfighters at my fingertips was... After Star Wars um, three and three quarter inch action figures had come and gone, unfortunately, I missed that that era completely, and I had to catch it uh, the sort of in the resurgence in the 90s with the Star Wars Galoob Micro Machine collection. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I had the full set. I had interceptors, regular ties, the tie X ones. I had A wings, B wings, X wings, and Y wings, and of the lot. I think the A Wing and the B Wing were my favorites. Okay. But uh, the B Wing gets the slight edge because while it straddles the line between fighter, star, you know, starfighter and bomber, yep. it just has such a unique shape yes. and look and configuration. I just fell in love with the uniqueness of it, and also it got very little exposure in Jedi. So the mind races; it's kind of the one with the biggest question mark over it. And of course, it it carries the biggest weapons payload. And to a kid, having more guns and missiles was always
0: better than less, right? That's it. I mean, listen, something's happened on this show. We both give a six YoJo cola to the issue, and uh, I am also picking the B-wing. Yeah. So that was I had that I had that ship um, in the three and three quarter line, and I just the size of it in my hands was just ginormous and just that gyroscopic cockpit was just like what is going on here? This guy is never upside down. Incredible. So Chief, I I think
1: three years ago found a mint in box B Wing back in South Africa yep. going for a song. I jumped on that with Uh, you know i i did not hesitate it was it was in my in my possession before before the sun had set and it was magnificent putting the stickers on that thing for the first time oh oh, oh. my man that's it that's the rush that's the rush
0: (sighs) makes it all worthwhile Love it. vintage toy collecting malarkey we'll finish the show on a high here i'm feeling good hopefully the listeners are feeling good Uh, But don't worry, we'll be back next week. We're going to be covering, as I mentioned previously, issues 177 and 178 of Real American Hero. Uh, Yeah, and we're going to put a question out as well. We'll we'll get the brains racking together to think of a good one. Thank you for the responses. Quick couple of shout-outs. Mate Mylar... Sent us a nice message on the Instagram saying he's loving the podcast and looking forward to the G.I. Joe board game when I finally get around to designing that. Loving <laughs> loving his work. Please go and check out. I think he's got a Patreon. Go and have a look. Fantastic toy photography. I am no expert on toy photography at all. But what I see from this man is is fantastic work. And if this is the standard, then he's the man to be be on the lookout for. And uh, Sam Myers dropped us a line via email. Always good to get a uh, correspondence from Sam sent us his thoughts on the Iron Grenadiers which was nice so yeah it's been, it's been apart from me dragging the show down and having a bad day you know I'm I'm buoyed by the the community and the people that are getting in contact and it's, it's it's a good time even with the lockdown in the world we're in there's still time to find ways to release and enjoy and you know be with friends and family and stuff so you can get us in all the usual... Chiefy, I'm going to put it on record, yeah. buddy, that if there's any way I
1: can facilitate the G.I. Joe uh, tabletop game, okay. let me do it. Let me add it. Yeah, yeah. man. It- Character bios, yep. uh, stats, what we're we talking about. I don't know much about um, <laughs> DMing or or whatever you'd call yep. it, but I I can I can talk to people in the know and they can perhaps give me some
0: pointers. Right. Well, you're uh, now you're involved in the project, my friend. So add that add that as some homework for you. But yes, uh, we'll we'll get the heads cracking and we'll come up with something. But you're the man I'm coming to for, like you said, bio, stats, information, and kind of accurate things around GI Joe which are probably out of my purview. But yes, you're involved now. Well done for that, sir. You can get in a ho- get a hold of either of us on the usual places. That's Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, TalkingJoeComics at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email or Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast on Facebook. Where can the fine people check you out, sir? Check me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the easiest way, as
1: always, is just to search G I Joburg. That's G I J O B U R G on any of the socials. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We have a podcast. Uh, don't need to hype that any in, in any way, shape, or form. Either you know about it and you love it, or you think that we're a bunch of talking heads and we have nothing useful to add. <laughs> or conject, Um, we can find us on YouTube. We do
0: occasional video reviews and film ourselves playing with toys. Oh yeah, what happened? (laughs) I I missed it, it was out of my time zone. I haven't had a chance to check it out on the 4th. uh, There was a big release. Oh, right. Well, we've now taken to publishing the works of other
1: um, content creators on our platform. So inspired by our kind of play motion style videos, We've got some close allies who produce their own ones. And this was a contribution by a guy called Troy Smith, who's uh, a father of four. And he, is he a father of four? No, a father of three. <laughs> Wait, no, four. He's got three girls and one boy. Okay. Heaven help him. <laughs> and he, him and his kids produce incredible, like, toy videos, uh, which he then edits and then adds voiceover and music. He features the voice talents on this one of uh, Joe Slepsky who has the Joe on Joe pod. Yep. Uh, Hooded Cobra Commander 788, who obviously has the Hooded Cobra Commander review channel yes. on yep. YouTube. Uh, it's an all-star affair, so it's great fun, man. If you want to check it out, check out the YouTube channel. Yep.
0: I need to check out that because uh, I think it was premiering, it would have been 11 p.m. UK time, which was uh, obviously... Way past Chief's bedtime. Chief was snuggled up in the bed. But uh, Speaking of which, thanks to Daylight Savings, we're pushing this real late. You better get out of here, Chief. Uh, yeah, it's 20 past 10. My missus is going to be... What, she's fine, but what happens is, when I come down out of the loft, because it's a concertina metal loft ladder, this bastard creaks and groans and just wakes up everyone in the house. Fortunately, not the kid... But the missus just scowls and has a go at me. But, um, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna, I'll I'll stick around for another 30 seconds. If you wanna get a hold of me or look at what I'm doing, I've got the other podcast, The Outer Timers, which is just The Outer Timers. You can find us on all the usual places. And, uh, I, oh, that's the other thing I need to do. Good reminder, I, on my own personal Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, I'm doing the daily strips which chronicle the birth of my kid from four years ago which i found on the computer i'd taken them at the time and that is on chiefy two shoes that's chief y number two shoes chiefy two shoes and i need to put up today's strip which i haven't done yet bad chief that's it that's it (laughs) uh so with all that said and done we will see you down the road yo
2: joe